All right, folks, I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. We're still in the Gospel of John. We're in the fifth chapter. We're actually going to finish up the fifth chapter today. Now, again, we are looking at the Gospel of John to understand who Jesus is. Now, I think it's interesting because when John begins his Gospel, he begins his Gospel with what is known as the prologue, where he says the word was among us and the word was with God and the word ultimately became flesh. But that people did not accept that and that they reject that for their own reasons. And so two things that John is trying to do as we understand who Jesus is, two things he's doing. First of all, he wants us to understand who he is and that's what we're focusing our time as we go through John. But he's also wanting you to understand that people don't accept him. That people reject him. Now, the first one, we're, we're, we're eager to learn, to be honest with you. We want to get to know Jesus more. Hopefully, that's true for your life. You want to get to know him more, right? The second one, we acknowledge, but we really don't go any further than that. We know that people don't accept Jesus. You've experienced that in your life, right? Haven't you shared with somebody about Jesus in your faith only to have them say, oh, well, you know, that's what you believe. And they're, and they're gracious with you, especially the closer you are in your relationship. Sometimes they're gracious with you. Sometimes maybe if you're close with them, they're a little bit more direct. I don't really care about that. I don't believe that. Now, here's what happens with the second one. The reason why we don't spend a lot of time with that is, is because it's a very self-defeating thing for us. How many of you have ever shared your faith with somebody else, somebody especially if you love them, and in the face of rejection, they just flat out tell you they don't believe, they don't want to believe, they don't care, nothing you can say will prove it to them. I mean, they can go on and on with all the reasons why they don't believe Here's what I want you to think about. How did you respond to that? Typically, the response is not, oh, wow, I need to pray for them more. No, the response usually is, maybe I didn't share enough. Maybe I didn't answer their questions enough. Maybe, maybe if I had, sometimes I hear people, if I had George with me, uh, Folks, if you had me with you, the answer is still going to be the same. Okay? First of all, that makes it awkward <laughs> for them. You know what I'm saying? I brought George with me. Why? Do you know what I'm saying? Why? That, that, that's, that's not normal. We feel like we are the ones who are deficient. And so we think that if we just gave them some kind of series to watch, you know, we gave them some DVDs or told them to stream this series, that would answer it. If we give them a book, and so we're searching for books to, to answer their questions, but the problem is they're not asking those questions. Because the reality is, is what we're going to see today is, is Jesus wants you and I to understand 
It's a question of whether or not one chooses to believe. That's really the issue. John wants us to understand from the beginning that these people chose darkness rather than the light. Now, what we do is we, we kind of make up in our mind, and a lot of it has to do with Hollywood influence sometimes because of the shows we watch, the movies we go to. You know, darkness is darkness, and that's evil. No, no, darkness is the exact opposite of Jesus, period. It's the rejection of him and the light of him, so therefore you're in darkness. It's not the stuff we add into it that we make up in our minds. It is simply the rejection of God. But the reality is, we're going to see today that he's going to tell you, and maybe this will help you, that there are three witnesses to Jesus. And they're already happening around you. They were happening in his day while he was there. They're happening around you right now. But yet, in spite of the witnesses... People reject. And he's going to tell you why they reject. And so I think this will be helpful to us, especially because if you're like me, you have people you love who don't believe. And let's be honest, our desire is, is that they would know Jesus, right? Is that not our desire? Paul would say in Romans when he thought about Israel and its rejection of the Messiah, that he would be willing to go to hell if they would just believe. And I think sometimes we're there. We just want our loved ones to know Jesus. But we've got to understand. And so that's what John is going to do to us today. So do for us today. So I want you to look with me. We're going to go to the last part of chapter 5. Look with me at verse 31, and we're going to read 31 through 47. Here's what Jesus says. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his life, light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, who sent me, has testified of me, You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do have his word abiding, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, 
and you do not receive me. If anyone comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see, first of all, the witnesses. There are three witnesses that he says bears witness to him. And I really truly believe these witnesses exist today. They're happening today. And if you think about it for a moment, as we talk about each one of the witnesses, you're going to realize, yeah, this is happening. This is happening. And then, second of all, we're going to look at the rejection. We're going to see why they reject, what their actions are. Now, and when we look at the rejections, I want you to listen to me. I want you to realize that the rejection has nothing to do with you. Okay? I want you to hear me. The rejection of Jesus ultimately has nothing to do with you. Maybe you need to write that down so that you understand it, especially if you're struggling with thinking, well, the reason why they're not believing is because of me. No, 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 you don't understand. See, there's more than one witness. And ultimately, the rejection of God has more to do with them than it does with your witness. Did you understand what I'm saying? So let's look at this together. We're going to see what the witnesses are. And as I go through these, you're going to realize, yeah, this is happening today. This is all around us. It's not that they don't have enough proof. It's because they choose not to. Okay? So listen, here's the first one. Look with me at verse 31 to 35. The first witness that he's going to refer to is John the Baptist. Look with me at what he says. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. So what's Jesus saying here? All right, so first of all, in the Jewish legal system, it was not a good thing if you were being accused of something to bear witness of yourself. That had no validity. Everything had to be substantiated by two or three witnesses. So Jesus is right off the bat saying, you're wondering who I am. I'm not going to bear witness of myself because you're not going to accept that. But he said, there are other witnesses. All right, so here's the first one. Look with me, verse 32. There's another who bears witness of me that I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for the time to rejoice in his light. So here's this point I want you to make. The testimony of others point to who he is. The first thing he's going to say is, is that, look, you don't want to believe me? That's fine. But there was another who testified of me. That one was John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus said, you sent people to him. Now, what does that mean? Remember, at the beginning of the gospel, they sent people to John to say, who are you? Why are you doing this? 
And John very much referred by quoting Isaiah that he was the forerunner. He was pointing to the direction of who? The Messiah who was coming. And then when Jesus showed up, what did he say? Everybody heard him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was bearing witness of Jesus. And he goes on a little bit further and he says, he was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing for a time to rejoice in him. He's saying, you guys were even willing to accept who John was. And you rejoiced in his life. You accepted him. He, he had validity with you. But he's pointing to me. Now you say, okay, George, what does that got to do? Because John the Baptist isn't alive today. Would everybody agree with that? I don't care what you see on the internet, somebody saying he's John the Baptist. No, no, John the Baptist is gone. 2,000 years ago. But this point is true today. Listen to me. The first witness to Jesus being alive today is you. You. You bear witness of him with how you live your life before others and how faith guides you through the things that you face day and day and how you testify of who? About Jesus. Isn't that a part of your life? It should be. should flow out of your life naturally that what? God got you through things. God answered prayer. The Lord Jesus was there for you. And that in itself is a testimony to the people around you. And look, they're willing to accept you. Why? Because they still hang out with you, right? They still do things with you. They still love you. They still care for you. You're the first witness. John was a witness in their day, but they didn't accept it. You're the witness in their day today. But yet they don't accept it, do they? Here's the second thing, the second witness. Look with me, just one verse, verse 36. I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Here's the second witness. The testimony of what Jesus has done points to who he is. It's the very works that Jesus did. Look, look, let's be honest. Think about it for a moment, okay? I don't think life was that much different 2,000 years ago than it is today. What do you mean, George? I mean, we got technology, we got phones, we got computers, we got cars. They didn't have that. They had donkeys. Seriously. What do you mean it's no different? All right? How many times have you walked around seeing people raised from the dead because somebody called them up out of the grave? How many of you times have you seen somebody who's blind be made to see, literally be made to see because he healed them? Or a man whose hand is withered or atrophied is actually atrophied because of a disease be healed and the hand be made whole. How many times have you seen someone walk into a room of 5,000, well, not even a room, let's say a stadium of 5,000 people and feed them all? We're going to see that next week. To the point that they're all full. 
and satisfied and there's stuff left over. That's just part of normal life, isn't it? Now, it's not normal today and it wasn't normal then. He was doing things that were beyond the, what was happening normally in life. And they testified to who he was. But guess what? They kept asking, show us another sign. Show us a sign of who you are. What more do you want? We say, well, that was then, George. How's that true now? Listen. Doesn't Jesus interact in your life today? Doesn't he answer prayer? Aren't there times when you see God working in a way that you know that was the Lord? And when you tell somebody, man, this happened, I was worried about this, and, 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 and I was praying, God, somehow you got to work this out, and, and I was thinking this way, but God, he showed up in a, in, in a way that I never even thought was true, and he answered that prayer. He did it. And you share it with somebody else, and they're like, oh, that was a coincidence. You know what I find is interesting? Coincidences happen a lot with God's people. Have you noticed that? The witness is there. That he's alive. And that he interacts in our lives. But the fact is, you share that witness. And they can even see that God showed up They point to the reality of Jesus. Here's the third witness. Look with me. Verse 37. He says this. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Here's the reality of the third witness. The testimony of Scripture points to who he is. The testimony of God's Word. You know what, folks? From the very beginning in Genesis, all the way to the end in Revelation, it's about Jesus. It's about who he is. It's the promise of who he is. It's the promise of what he's going to do when he comes. It's the promise of him setting right the world that has gone wrong. It's him promising to show up in your life and to change your life and to forgive you and to allow you to enter back into a relationship with him that was destroyed in the Garden of Eden with one sin. It's there. Now you say, okay, George, I understand that, but they don't believe. They don't want. I've tried to show them that God's word says this, but they don't accept God's word. I understand that. But let me tell you something. It's not your point to try to prove it. The Bible doesn't tell you to prove his word. It just assumes that it's his word. And you have to choose whether or not to what? Accept it. And he's saying to them, look, the Father has spoken to you. Now, but you've never seen him or heard him. But how do we know he spoke to you? Because you have the word. He spoke through his prophets. You have the word. 
And that is the testimony. And folks, listen, folks, all around us, and, and let's not try to beat ourselves up anymore. There is around us three testimonies to the reality of who he is. The works that he does, the testimony of each other and how God interacts in our lives, and the scripture itself. But people choose to reject. It's interesting, if you go to Romans... In the first chapter, chapters 1 through 3, Paul gives his condemnation of all humanity about why all humanity is condemned. He points out that in chapter 1, he points out that even the Godhead, the, the reality of the existence of God exists in the creation around us. It's hunting season, folks. This big Saturday is coming up, isn't it, for you archers? And you sit out there in the field and you're waiting. And you're enjoying the fall leaves turning. Hasn't it ever entered into your mind? You look around and you think, wow, isn't that amazing how that all happened by chance? The very creation speaks of the reality of God. But it's a choice, isn't it? So now we've got to understand why. Why do they reject? Because I've beat my head against the wall many times and, and probably will continue to do that. And you have as well. When you think about your loved ones and you think about sharing with them, listen, what I'm trying to help you with is don't, don't destroy yourself. Because it's not you. Because it's a choice to believe. So let's look at it. We're going to look at it verse by verse here as he talks about why they reject. Now remember, he's talking to a group of Jews who have God's word, who search God's word, who know God's word, but they reject their own Messiah. But the implications are also true for those around us, even those who say they never believed. Because it's humanity. So let's look with me. Here's the first one. Look with me at verse 38 through 39. Here's what he says. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. Here's the first reason, folks. Okay? They search for answers that they ultimately ignore or reject. They search for answers that they ultimately ignore or reject. That's a human tendency, isn't it? I think we all know just from everyday life have you ever, ever been with somebody and all the facts are there? This is the decision that needs to be made. Everything is laid out for them. It even tells them what's going to happen if they choose the wrong thing. And guess what? They still choose the wrong thing. Why? Because they ignore whatever's already laid out. 
and you ask them, why did you do that? It was, everything was right there. If you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have had this problem. Oh, I thought I was the exception. Isn't that true? We live in a country today, a world today, where everybody thinks they're the exception. Now here it is, these folks, he's saying, the word's not in you, why? You don't really grasp and understand the scripture, you're not even accepting the scripture, why? Because if you accepted the scripture, you would have believed in me, you would have held on to me, but, and you say, I'm searching, I'm searching for the answers, yeah, but you're ignoring what the answers are, you are rejecting the answers, That's where we're at today. That's what they were doing in Jesus' day. Jesus is pointing it out to us. That's why people reject him. Here's the second thing. Look with me. Verse 40. He says, But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. Here's the basic point. They choose not to come to him for life. They choose not to come to him for life. They, they just flat out choose. And, and see, and I used to think, I used to think personally that it, had, that it was obviously something wrong with my presentation. It has nothing to do with my presentation. It has nothing to do with your presentation. It has to do that they choose not to. You know, there was back in the, uh, in the 1700s, the in the time of our revolution and stuff, there was a Frenchman who was a philosopher. He was very much an atheist. His name was Voltaire. Voltaire made a statement that even if a large number of people saw a miracle happen in the square in Paris and they all witnessed it, he said he would still not believe that it happened. Now, what's he saying? He chooses not to believe. Folks, that's where people are at. I've talked to them. Doesn't matter what you show me, I'm not going to believe. That's a choice. Now, can I be honest with you? That has nothing to do with you and how much and what you're presenting, does it? It's like if you showed up today and you're wearing nothing but blue. Like, I'm wearing nothing but blue. Somebody comes up and says, boy, you're looking good in brown, George. Brown? And they're not colorblind. They choose not to acknowledge blue. Now, has that got anything to do with me? Because I'm very much wearing blue today, right? No, they've chosen not to believe in blue today. You say, that's ridiculous. No, it's America today, right? This is the reality. They choose not to come to him for life. Here's the third thing. Look with me at verse 41 and 42. See, Jesus is going to stop in the midst of talking about their rejection. 
he's going to talk about his understanding of them. And this is important for you and I to know as well. Look with me at verse 41. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. So what's he saying here? I'm not going to accept people saying, oh, Jesus, you're wonderful, you're awesome. And people do that. Love Jesus! But he says, but I know you. In fact, here's the point. Jesus knows who they really are and the conditions of their heart. You know, I've said this for years. I haven't said it in a while here recently. I remember in the early years of my ministry, I used to say things like, you know what, we should be handing out Oscars in church. Because church is conducive to acting. Because your week could be totally falling apart and miserable. And you are just beat up and down, and you're driving over here, oh, and you get out of the car, oh, and you open the front door, hey, how's it going? How's your week been? Super! And you're here the whole time, and you're smiling on the inside, you're a wreck, but you're smiling, and then you close the door, and you get back in your vehicle, oh. We're actors. And it's the same thing's true when it comes to whether or not you truly believe in Jesus. It's easy to say, I love Jesus. But Jesus says, I don't accept the testimony of men. Because I know what's in your heart. And he says to those who reject, especially to those who are religious and reject, the love of God is not in you. See, this, this is the reality of the rejection. Let, let's go on. We're going to continue on here. We've only got um, two more points here. Look with me at verse 43. This is the amazing thing. I've seen this one happen. Maybe you have as well. Look with me at verse 43. I have come in my Father's name. This is Jesus saying, I've come in my Father's name. Isn't that true? When you read the gospel, Jesus has come in his Father's name. But look what he says. And you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. What's he talking about? He's saying, I've come in my Father's name. I am the Messiah. I've come in my Father's name. You don't receive me. But if some other guy shows up in his own name and says, I'm the Messiah, you're ready to jump on the bandwagon with him. And the Jews did. We often think that the destruction of the Jews occurred in A.D. 70, and yes, Rome and the temple were destroyed in A.D. 7 by Rome, but it was a, back in A.D. 130-something that they had the second and final revolt of the Jews because some guy rose up and said he was the Messiah, and they all believed they were going to throw off the Romans, and guess what? Rome swept in, just wiped them out, and spread the rest of them throughout the world, and we have that to this day, right? The Jews are everywhere. Why? Because they weren't willing to accept who the true one was, but some guy shows up and says, I'm it! And they're like, yeah, you're it! We're following you! Still happening to this day. 
Why? Here's my point. While they rejected Jesus, they were easy, eager to accept others as their hope. While they rejected Jesus, they were eager to seek others as their hope. I've seen this. You've seen it. You talk to them about the Lord. The witnesses are there about the reality of Jesus. Jesus is real in your life. And they're like, I don't want to believe. But the next thing you know, they're going off looking at all these other things. And getting excited at all these other things that there's nothing there. But they're excited about that. And they're willing to say, oh yeah. And you're like, really? Really? I'm showing you the one who's alive and you're believing that? Jesus understood that from the beginning. Haven't you experienced that? I've experienced that. Why? Why is it happening? Folks, let me tell you why it's happening. It's not you. It's because they chose not to believe. So Jesus gives us one final assessment. One final assessment that brings it all back home here. Here it is. Look with me at verse 44 to 47. <clears throat> How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes only from God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. All right, so here's what he's saying. How can you believe when, when you're only looking to each other, the fellow rejectors, for, for affirmation? I'm, but I'm not going to accuse you, Jesus says. I'm not going to be the one who says, ah, they rejected me, Father. Jesus says, I don't have to do that. Moses accuses them. Now, Moses? Moses is going to show up and say, they did wrong. No, that's not what he's talking about here. What's he talking about, Moses? First five books of what we call the Old Testament, the Pentateuch the law that Moses gave, what they believe and say they hold to, that accuses them. That's what he says. And he says a little bit later in the passage, what does he say? For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. Isn't that interesting? Moses wrote about Jesus several times about the prophet who would come, just like Moses, about the one who would crush the head of the serpent. We heard that in the condemnation passage of Genesis chapter 3. But you don't believe. So here's the point I want you to see. By rejecting the witnesses to Jesus, they condemn themselves. They condemn themselves. Listen, folks, I'm going to paint you a scenario here. I want you to understand it. I want you to grasp it. I want you to let it set you free. Okay, so in that day, there will be a great white throne judgment. And all humanity will stand before them. And the books will be opened. And all the deeds will be judged. And those whose names are not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. That is Revelation chapter 20. 
Now I want you to go with me to, in your mind, let's imagine for a moment. Let's imagine that in that day there will be those who will stand before the king. We won't stand before the king because we will already have been judged for reward. We talked about that earlier last week. But all of humanity who have rejected will be there and whether or not their names are standing. Listen, it, this is not going to happen. This is a, a, a made-up scenario that sometimes we think will happen, but this is not what's going to happen. There's going to be this individual who rejected. He's going to be before the great judge, Jesus, and here's his defense. Well, I would have believed, Lord, but George screwed it up. You can substitute my name with your name. That's not going to happen. Because you're not the only witness. I gave you three. And the reality is, is that they will experience the judgment because they chose not to believe. Do you understand? All right, so what do we do with this, George? I wanted you to understand what's happening here because, again, we do defeat ourselves and we beat up on ourselves, and I beat up on myself a lot. When I think about people that I share with, it's not you. You're called to live your life for Jesus, getting to know him intimately. And you bear witness of him, whether you realize it or not. Do you realize that? Some of you may not even realize that. You just simply living out your life is a testimony to somebody, whether you realize it or not. But there are also other witnesses around them. And the fact that people are rejecting, this is what he's wanting you to understand, it's because they choose to reject Because they love the darkness. That is, they love the world without God more than a world with God. So keep living your life. And pray for your loved ones and pray for your co-workers and pray for your neighbors, the people you meet on the street. God, would you open their eyes? Would you open their eyes? But it's not you. It's them. And we need to keep praying for them. So don't be defeated. But just keep living for him. Let me pray for you and the loved ones and people that we connect with who don't know Jesus. Let's pray.